0: And I just want to say Hollywood has made millions if not billions of dollars, definitely in the billions range by now, billions of dollars taking people, actors, story, fiction and non-fiction uh, of individuals that have unstoppable determination putting them on a big screen and we will pay money over and over and over again to watch these people have unstoppable determination. Some of these people are just made up people like Superman. He doesn't exist. That can't happen. You can't shoot fire out of your eyes. It's not possible. I remember as a child seeing Michael J. Fox riding on a, a hoverboard and being so heartbroken that hoverboards could not be bought at Walmart. So disappointed. Uh, Batman. You know, it, Batman is one of my favorites because there's something on the inside of me that tells me that that could happen. There really could be a Batman. He doesn't have superpowers. He has lots of tools. Maybe there could be a Batman. But we just love watching people with unstoppable determination. Uh, if, if you're a guy in this room and I ask you to write down your top five favorite movies, you will probably write down G- Gladiator in your top five. If you don't, you should. It's a, it's a great movie. Uh, he stands in the middle of this coliseum after he kills several people and blood is squirting everywhere. It's a fantastic scene. <laughs> and he looks around and he says, are you not entertained? Like that should be in the Bible somewhere. Are you not entertained? Then he takes his sword and he throws it at this king who's sitting there with his pompous self eating grapes, and the sword clanks and hits his goblet, and wine spills everywhere. And I'm just like, Yes, I am entertained. You know, the first time I saw a movie that I just felt hair on my arm rise up uh, was uh, The Prince's Bride. Does anyone here watch The Prince's Bride? I don't see all the hands up, which is a crime. (laughs) It's a crime. Everyone needs to see The Prince's Bride uh, to see uh, this guy in a mask get pushed down the hill by this princess Uh, Princess Buttercup, and as she's falling down, the, Wesley is falling down the hill, he yells, as you wish, and then she realizes it's Wesley, she goes, oh my dearest Wesley, and then she throws herself down the hill to go get him, and I'm like, yes, somebody cry for me so I can... See, there's times where I see a chick flick and I want to cry. I feel the emotion to cry, but I would have to hang myself if I cry. So I need a friend to cry for me. I don't know. But uh, there's certain movies and it just this, this undeniable, I will not be stopped and I will not stop until I get it. There's just this, this unstop- it is Unstoppable. I want to talk about that tonight. I want to talk about a passion that is so strong in you that it is unstoppable. It cannot be, I mean, just this, it cannot be restrained. Thank you. I'm going to preach the mess out of this message to Bernie only till the rest of you amen me i'm gonna just preach to bernie bernie turn to philippians and revelations and exodus and no we're just gonna i'm just kidding but now i'm not talking about a casual passion where you can kind of take it or leave it i'm talking about an unstoppable passion that i'm gonna die over this did you guys see that mother on the news that jumped out of a burning building with their daughter or son son and she is uh she may be um uh, handicapped for the rest of her life but her son is just fine uh did you guys see that on the news it was just a few days ago um and it was just a phenomenal phenomenal story and they interviewed her and she said something very profound and it was either her husband or it was her. And I said, um, I just did what any other mother would do. And I just thought, yeah, mothers have this unstoppable passion about their kids that it cannot be restrained. It's not a, a negotiable matter. When I was in the third and fourth grade, I had a huge uh, challenge on spelling tests. I've never been a spelling bee champion, don't get me wrong, uh, but I progressively got better. But the, the momentum was slow uh, to begin with, and I would study and study, and my mother would test me and test me and test me and test me and test me, and, test me, and I'd still go to class the next day and fail the test. She would test me over and over. I remember I could not get the word brown. I don't know what it was about Brown. I could not spell that word. I I will never forget not being able to spell that word. I would fail over and over again. I would cry because spelling test Friday always came. It was always on Friday. and I would cry and I would tell my mom, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I would fail, fail, fail. Finally, she went to, I didn't find this out later, until much later, she went to the school and told my teacher don't you ever put an F on my son's paper again. You can put whatever you want inside of the grade book, but you put an F on my son's paper one more time and you and I are going to have a problem. And I'm thinking to myself, I think that was the problem. (laughs) I think we were already having a problem. If it gets worse, and I, you know, as a son, if you remember when your parents used to, or your mom is about to blow a gasket just as a kid, and you're like, it can get worse than this. I've seen it many a times. She told my teacher, don't you ever put an F on his paper again. She goes, it's demoralizing him. Don't put an F on there anymore. I don't care. You put five F's in the grade book for all I care. Put a D minus on his paper. And I remember I got a D-minus. <laughs> and I came home and I was so excited about that D-minus. I'm like, yes! And I really think I started getting better around that time. I just needed to feel like I could do this at least once. I, I, brought, I wrote, I, I spelt brown with a Z in it, but it, it's, I, it helped me. Um, but parents and mothers and uh, they just have this this unrestrained this passion and uh, and and I know uh, deep down inside of all all of us we really do love God we really do love God and I'm just going to take the next few moments to to make it very practical and very easy to put. Um, what we love most at the top of our priority list. Does that make sense? It's like, I know you love God more than you love any, everything else, but is he at the top of the priority list? If it's not, it's not on purpose. It just kind of happened that way. Does that make sense? So we're going to make it incredibly practical. Let's talk about Paul for the next few minutes. And so, I'm Ephi- uh, sorry, Philippians chapter 1 um. Verse 20. It reads like this. This is Paul speaking. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed. Everybody say, I will never be ashamed. One, two, three. I will never be ashamed. All right, say it a little bit louder. One, two, three. I will never be ashamed. Oh, you guys sound good. I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue. To be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. What he's saying is if I stop being bold, I think that when I see him, I may be ashamed. That's what he's saying. So I'm going to keep on being bold. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. So if I can just keep on being bold... When I see him, I'm not going to be ashamed, but quite the contrary. Whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. If I'm going to live, if I'm going to be here, I'm only living for him. That's, that's the bottom line. If I'm, if I'm going to be here, now watch this, watch what he says here. For living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. The only reason why, if I'm gonna be on this earth, I want to do something phenomenal for God. If I'm not gonna do something phenomenal for God, then I am going to be ashamed when I see Him. So I'm gonna continue to be bold for Him so I won't be ashamed. This is the Frankie International version. I don't know if you guys got this at the Bible bookstore, but it's it's usually for sale. <laughs> but I I will be bold for him. If I die, well, good for me. Then I get to be around him. So watch this, which is even better, verse twenty-two. But if I live, I. But but I'm sorry. But if I live. I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. If I stay here on earth, I can do more for God. But if I die, good for me. You see what I'm saying? So his whole point for wanting to be here is to do something for him. I'm torn between these two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. See, he had this uh, unstoppable determination. uh, What I want to do tonight is I want to unpack how did that heart tick? Because I want to live that way, but I'm not nearly where Paul was. Are you with me? Does, does this, is this going to be apropos for anyone? Verse 25. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive. It's almost like he's disappointed. I'm convinced that I'll remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Now keep in mind... Paul is in prison while he's writing this letter. See, he was dialed in to uh, the what is behind the curtain of visible and invisible. Do you see what I'm saying? He was in the visible world, but he was able to partake and experience all the... Uh, fruit and benefits and power that's behind the curtain separating the visible from the invisible. See, now that is awesome. That, my friends, is how we want to live. We want to be able to say, look, I'm here. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but so long as I am here, I want to be able to be here on earth and live like I'm in heaven. Yeah. Did that land? Yes. I feel like I'm holding on to you guys with a greased down rope. <laughs> does that make sense i'm like i got about two more minutes and if i don't snag your attention i'm not going to get it for the rest of the evening and, and here i am holding this grease down rope so just bear with me everybody write this down unstoppable determination for his holiness it's unstoppable i i want it and write this down as well to reach this level of determination is a matter of the will i think that you and i have got to ask ourselves how bad do you want it you have as much of the presence of god as you're willing to be relentless in pursuing How bad do you want it? Uh, I was in my office today and I thought, I haven't prayed today. And I literally said to myself, this would be a good time to pray. But I don't feel like it. I said it just like for those of you that are so holy that you've never thought that, good on you. (laughs) Good on you. But I, I literally had that thought. I do not feel like it you ever met somebody whose testimony is always like 10 years ago yes. oh yeah before i was saved every time is before you say. but have you messed up lately no it was all before i was saved <laughs> well i messed up like two hours ago <laughs> uh, this afternoon i did not feel like praying And so I I literally had to realize this is a matter of the will now because I don't feel like it. So I asked myself the question, this exact question, that I've asked myself while I've I've ran races before. And every inevitably, whether it's a full marathon, half marathon, a 5K, you hit this point in the race where you're just like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. (laughs) Usually it's right after you start. (laughs) It was a great idea until you started running. And then it's like, well, why am I, why am I doing, there's no dog chasing me. I don't know why I'm doing this. And you get out there and you say to yourself, okay, how bad do you want it? And, and this afternoon I said, I really, really wish I was closer. So I got up, uh, covered the window of my office and shut my window blinds and I got down on my knees and said, God, I don't feel like praying right now. See, you may as well be honest if he already knows, right? (laughs) It's like looking at a seven-year-old with chocolate on his mouth and it's like, did you get in the cookie jar? No. So I'm going to ask you again, did you get in the cookie jar? No. All right. We're going to talk about lying some other day. So I got on my knees today and I said, God, I do not feel like praying. And I said, Jesus, I really do love you though. And it's just so, that one moment of honesty and all of a sudden I felt like praying. It's like the Holy Spirit comes in and says, you're doing all you can do with your will. And now... I'm watching your spirit and your flesh wrestle with each other. Now my grace is going to kick in and help your spirit do what it can't do on its own and push down your flesh. And little did you, before I knew it, I'm just on my knees praying and and I'm gone. The clock, I don't have no idea of the clock. I'm just praying, but it was a matter of the will. I have to ask myself that question: How bad do you want it? Do you want it bad enough to actually do something about it? Or do you only want it bad enough to say you want it bad? (laughs) Does that make sense? Some people want it bad enough to talk about how bad they want it for a really long time. I want it so I want that. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Yeah, I know you want it because you keep on bringing it up. But do you want it bad enough to do it? There's some things in my life that I really want, but I don't want it bad enough to actually do it. Like I would really like to look at the look like those guys on Men's Fitness magazine. (laughs) I I I look at those magazines and the guys are like, and I just go, man, that would be awesome, but I don't want it so bad I'm willing to go to the gym over it. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Are you with me now? There yeah. we go. Now, ah, I got him, Sarah. I had to just find out, like, find where you are, where you are, where you are, where you are, where you are. There we go. Number three an exaggerated amount of thought and consideration for ourselves is what holds us back, holds back our unstoppable determination. It's just, it's this life that we live, um, it, it becomes too much about us and about what we want. My, my prayer life has gotten so much better this year because I spend the beginning, the beginning portion is, is filled with more thank yous. Are you with me? Before, it was like, enter his courts with thanksgiving. God, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me my sins. All right, if you don't help me. And now, I'm going to get to if you don't help me. Because the Bible says to, with many petitions, is how the Bible words it. With many petitions. In other words, with many requests. Come to him with many requests. He wants a lot of requests. But I'll tell you what, when we enter his courts with thanksgiving in his heart, before we get to the requests, and I'll tell you, when I learned to go into his courts with thanksgiving, my start my prayers, Lord, I love you so much. I thank you. All right, now let's talk. But now here lately, it's been, I'm just going to, everything I can think of, I'm going to say thank you for. Everything I can think of, I thank you for this shirt on. It would be so awkward if I didn't have it on right now. <laughs> You just, everything you can think of. Everything you can think of. Sometimes I pray in my house barefoot and I'll put my feet in the carpet and go, thank you God for this carpet. I went to go visit our friends in Guatemala. They would give anything for some carpet. Thank you for this carpet. You know, how many of you guys, I, I don't, maybe my house is the only house that has one of these but I've got this box on my wall. Actually, I've got it on like a few walls. Don't get jealous. You can buy it if you want. (laughs) That if I'm hot in my house, I can press like this button and then just wait like 10 minutes and I'm cool again. Do you guys have one of those? All of you have one of those? Raise your hand if you have one of those you guys are a bunch of rich people that you can stand in your house and press the button man, I'm rich I can stand in my house and press the button and all of a sudden it's cooler I think that's worthy of saying thank you for I think every once in a while when we forget to say thank you for those things that a little Hurricane Katrina comes around and knocks out our power for about two weeks <laughs> When our power came back on after Hurricane uh, Ike, I started crying. (laughs) Are you with me? I turned the light on. I was like... (laughs) I will never, ever, ever say you for granted again. Everybody, help me pick up these extension cords. (laughs) We had so many extension cords in our house. Yeah, you could trick... generators Uh, the only thing you can hear in the middle of the night is generators running people had it chained up to their car because they didn't want anyone to steal their generators Just like, man, we can just come into his presence and just say, I love you, I love you, thank you, thank you, thank you for this ring, for this watch, for the trees. God, I really, at this thought crossed my mind, I think trees grow up because there's something inside tri- of trees that's reaching to you. Now, that may be absurd, but it's just the way I'm thinking. I think you're just so great. And we get so swallowed up in worshiping him that in the process, we can get smaller When we don't get caught up in worshiping him, then we get bigger, and when we get bigger, so does our own personal needs and goals and worries and concerns, and then that becomes the unstoppable force that drags us instead of making him so big that it becomes an unstoppable force to pursue him. But it all circles back around to a matter of the will. Do you want it bad enough to actually pursue? I would love, I've never been to San Diego. I would love to go to San Diego. Not bad enough to like really save up and go. Do you see what I'm saying? I'd rather just go around telling people how much I'd like to go to San Diego. Now there's a reason why that didn't make it on my notes. (laughs) I'd like to give you a few points real quick. Uh, The Bible made it really, really simple for all of us that want to have this uh, non-regret life where uh, you're 80, 90 years old and you look back and you say, I lived well. I, I, I lived well. The Bible made it very easy. And and if we do these three things, I I really believe that all of us will be able to look back and say, I lived well, I was fruitful. When God sees me, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. If if I just do these three things and and by the time I get through these three things, you're going to say to yourself, the term is called a hindsight bias. Has somebody ever said something that's so simple that after you heard it, you said, I think I knew that? Do you know what I'm saying? That's hindsight bias. You're saying you know what you're No, I'm just kidding. But it's, it's just, it, it's going to be so simple that you're going to look back and you're going to say, that is so simple. Those three things are so simple. And what I want to do is I want to take these three simple things and I want to put them in bold print and then recognize that this is all Paul did to transform his heart from passive to ultra-aggressive. Number one is to... Love the Lord without restraint. Now, there's three ways to do that. Bullet points underneath that umbrella, if you will. is In John 4.23, it says that he searches for worshipers. To love the Lord without restraint. The three bullet points, I'll just tell them to you now. It's love the Lord without restraint, love people without restraint, and invest in the people. That's the only three things I'm going to talk about today. Because if you do those three things, love the Lord without restraint, love people without restraint, and invest in the people, we will live a life where we too can say, I'm not ashamed when I see him. So let me unpack those three things real quickly. To to love the Lord without restraint means that you're a worshiper, that you are a worshiper. Uh, If you came to church by yourself tonight, it is much easier for you to become a better and better and better and better worshiper every service that you show up to because the people that showed up with somebody has this head game in their head of this person knows the real me. Thank you for saying that's good. I appreciate that, sir. This person knows the real me. This person knows that... I don't need to give examples, I don't think. And so you, you don't want to feel like a fake in front of the person that you're with by all of a sudden becoming a better worshiper. Does that make sense? And so if all of a sudden a, a person who's single, they show up to church and they say, you know what, today's the day where I start worshiping with more intensity and more focus. Well, they can just go, here, I'm going, I'm doing it right now. Maybe it'll be the first time they raise their hands. Maybe they're focused. Maybe they're worshiping with more passion. Well, somebody who came with somebody tonight, they make that decision. It's like, well, you know that I'm struggling with blah, 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 blah. And here I am going to worship. And you fight these head games. I just want to say all those head games are straight from the enemy. It's all from hell because the person that's standing next to you prays without you knowing that you're going to do what you're fighting to do. The person that you're sitting next to wants more than anything in the world for that to happen to you. That you really would say, I'm going to worship. but So just know that if you're going to love God with all of your heart, you have got, and I have to be a worshiper. That is a a non-negotiable. If you are going to live your life loving God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, we are worshipers. Are you with me? The, the second bullet point under that umbrella is that you pray without ceasing. You, know, you are constantly praying. Constantly, constantly, constantly praying. And I'll tell you, if... Um, uh, oh, Brother Lawrence is the guy that wrote the book. Um, practicing his presence. He, he cleaned dishes in a restaurant. Now, how many of you have ever waited tables at a restaurant? I've waited tables at like 17 restaurants. I'm not even lying. Got fired at all of them. I've worked at Chili's. I've worked at Olive Garden. I've worked at Caraba's. I've worked at all of them. All of them. Been fired at all of them. They're so picky about showing up on time. I don't know. Showing up, period, is such a big deal to these people. So I've been fired. I all, Casole, which was my favorite restaurant. I, I've been fired at all. I know the menu of all of them. I know all of them. And, and I can tell you this. When you work at a restaurant, you'll remember two things for the rest of your life. You'll never stiff a waiter or a waitress again. Even if they're bad, you just give them, you know, something. <laughs> but you never stiff them again. Number two, you think to yourself, any job I have, I need to be grateful for because the person that's washing dishes in the kitchen has the hardest job they're in the top five of restaurants and if any of you wash dishes at a restaurant you need a raise i don't know what you get paid but you need a raise because there is just dirt and food and nasty everywhere and the guy that wrote this book, Brother Lawrence, he wrote one of the best books ever written called Practicing the Presence of God. And he would say that as he washed dishes, he would wash dishes with the Lord. Amen. Everything he did, he did it with the Lord. So I was brushing my teeth the other night and I was thinking to myself, God, I want to be closer to you more than I want my teeth to be white. Now, why would that stupid prayer cross my mind? Because I was brushing my teeth. I was cleaning a fork in the dishes. And I said, God, I was trying to get some food that wouldn't come off. And I had my thumb, you know, the, the thumb trick with the, get the food that won't come off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the, everyone knows the thumb trick. <laughs> and I'm saying... I want to be closer to you more than I want this food to come off this fork. <laughs> every It just never stops. It never stops. Whatever you're thinking, you pray without seeing. So you're worshiping, you're, you're praying, and you're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. It's so interesting. In 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul is talking to a church, and they are having some major problems. That church in Corinth were having some major, major problems major problems we don't have any problems in our church i don't know I, we just have nice people and it's not by accident i pray about it actually i really do how many of you have been a part of celebration long enough to realize wow this place has a lot of nice people compared to some of the other places i've been go ahead raise your hand you've noticed it it's like man you've actually noticed it don't humor me raise your hand you've actually noticed it you see what I'm saying? i've prayed for that it's not by accident I pray, this is my prayer all the time. I say, God, only let nice people in our church. (laughs) I really do. If they're not nice, either change them or move them. So a lot of the people in our church used to not be nice until they started coming here. (laughs) And the ones that don't get nice, the Lord is the shepherd of our church and they just move right along. So I highly recommend, don't go to the church down the street. Because that's... No, I'm just kidding. That's where they're all at. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, All right, so, uh, what am I talking about? If you're a guest here, the real pastor will be here next week. He doesn't even know I'm here, I'm just... Actually, he's in the back with duct tape wrapped around him. (laughs) The Corinthian church, they had major, major issues. All the mean, ugly people, they were at the Corinthian church. One one family, the kid was sleeping with his mom. True story. That's problems. So Paul rips into the whole church. You guys got to get your act together. You need to kick some people out. That's what he's saying, kick some people out. It's in the Bible. Kick some people out. And then the very last thing he says is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's almost like if you just do that, everything else will just kind of work out. And, and what he's saying is, is that you recognize that the Holy Spirit is on this earth. And you just constantly are acknowledging him. You're constantly praying. So I said that there's three. Number one is invest in your relationship with God. Invest uh, and and love God. How did I I word it? Love the Lord without restraint. Number two, love others without restraint. Now this is going to require conviction and intentionality. Because it's very easy to love lovable people. You know where I'm going with this one. (laughs) It's very easy to love lovable people. It's very difficult to love idiots. Right? See, this is what you wanted to hear. You're looking at me like, you just said idiots in church, but that's why you came here. Because you knew I would say something like that and be real with you. It, it, it's hard to love idiots. It's easy It's easy to love Matthew if you're Jesus. I mean, the guy gave up his whole business as a tax collector and decides to follow Jesus. It's easy to love Luke. I mean, my goodness. Try loving Judas. Now, if we're gonna look back and say, man, you know what, my life. You know, I gave a a present to somebody recently Um, that hasn't always been the nicest to me. Um, But I don't have any animosity towards them. So I I gave them a a gift recently and and this person said back to me, um, I felt like Jesus gave me a gift. And the minute I heard that, I was like, if you think I'm Jesus. You need not to talk to me anymore because you're going to be disappointed very, 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 very fast. And so it was like more this humbling moment. But then I thought, okay, I see where you're coming from because you've made really bad decisions in our relationship and here I am. I'm giving you something that you feel like you don't deserve. And so I, I see where you're coming from. I... I'm very awkward right now. Because I know I'm not Jesus. But I see how you feel like Jesus just gave you something. Because you just got something that you didn't deserve. And and I want to tell you that if you you are going to have. I feel like this is a prophetic moment. You're going to have these critical moments in your life. About three or four of them. In your lifetime. Where it is very difficult to give that person love that person you can give these people love but that you can forgive this is the words i'm looking for you can forgive these people but forgiving that person is a whole different situation you can forgive those people but you forgiving that i can forgive her i can't forgive That person. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm not holding a grease down rope anymore. That person. You're going to have about three or four of that person moments. And that's when the spotlight goes. And we get to decide. What is going to be our flight plan with God? Is it going to be sharp and high? Or are we not going to love that person because they don't deserve it and we're going to tilt down our flight plan and it's going to be low? Are you with me? Is it going to be sharp and high? Or is it going to be flat and low? Let's go on to the next point, please. Number three is to invest into others. Now this one this is my last and final point. And Isaiah, if you could come on up, please. This one is a big one. Because when we get to heaven, we are going to want to feel like we loved God with all we had. We loved people intentionally. Man, I want to go back to that point, if that's okay. You can't love people without loving them intentionally because if you don't listen to this the people that you love most will get the least if you don't do it intentionally it has to be intentional I've seen so many marriages either fall apart or, or be held together by the kids and nothing else because one of the people in the marriage don't feel like the other person in the marriage loves them and, and they just have drifted. But when you talk to the person and you talk to the other person one-on-one, they're both deeply in love with each other. But neither one of them have ever felt that. Because you have to be intentional about it. But what I've learned is that oftentimes loving the Lord is something that we can do naturally. And once we get the hang of this thing of loving people, even when they don't deserve it, we can kind of get a hold of that. And then what Christians, or Christ followers, have a tough time with sometimes is we just get caught up in getting good at keeping our heart and our mind focused on God and ourselves and we don't ever do the commission that God sent us to do does that make sense it's, it's like there's a, a commissioning process I am sending you out I'm so happy you're my son I'm so happy that you're my daughter now I'm going to send you out like sheep amongst wolves But when I send you out, I'm with you. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to teach them my commandments. It's the Great Commission. I want you to teach. I want you to go out. I want you to tell people. I want you to go tell somebody. And this is... What I've I've noticed is when somebody first starts going to church for the first time and they just got a relationship with God recently they're so excited about it that they do the great commission because they can't help it they're so excited about it and then after they get mature in the Lord then that begins to decrease And then it just becomes about them becoming a stronger person in their relationship with God but the Great Commission is no longer a priority. And that's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. It's a scary thing when we're self-consumed with ourselves. Because then what it ends up being is we end up being a holy huddle we 're going to come together and we 're going to talk about how we can who are already going to heaven can be closer to Jesus before we get there and, and that 's all we talk about and think about is how can we be closer to Jesus before we go live with Jesus? how can we be closer to Jesus? before we live with Jesus and how can we get Jesus more in our lives before we go live with Jesus and, and that becomes and, and do you have any gifts that I can move in and do you have any fruit and it becomes about me and, 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 and all around us the commissioning process isn't taking place and, and telling people about the Lord is only telling your story that's all it is just say why you love the Lord and if we can do those three things we will back up and like Paul said I'm not going to be ashamed when I stand before the Lord those three things are very very fundamental in the faith and God will give you the grace to do it if you desire